Hey, welcome to the Lips and Language podcast where we talk everything life, love, and language. My name is Cola. I am an author, poet, and arts educator. My goal, my mission is to heal the hearts of mankind one story at a time. So this journey is all about the healing. It's all about the emotions. It's all about just improving our lives. I just released my free mini course. It has definitely been um, transformative work. I'm excited for you to receive your copy. So just DM me story on Instagram at lips and language and I'll be more than happy to send that out to you. So I talked about this time when I was learning. I was essentially going through a period where I was not only tired, but I, I really thought I was losing my mind. And let me explain. I had gotten to a point where I felt very unsafe in my own body. I didn't want to drive a car because I was nervous of what could happen. Uh, I was always tired. I didn't want to eat anything. But what put it over the top for me was the time that I was unable to read. And nobody around me knows this um, fully because I haven't really expressed it. But the time when I was reading the Bible and I was looking down at the page and the words were not connecting to my brain. I did not understand. I could not. I did not know the meaning. And I speak English as a first language. And suddenly I just could no longer understand what I was reading. I was reading the same thing over and over and I was getting very frustrated because I'm like, but like, why don't I understand it? Like what is happening? And so I sent my therapist at the time, uh, I think I called or I must've sent an email and I was just like, something is not okay. Like something is not right. I don't know how to explain it. Um, but I need help. I know I need help. I've been always pretty self-aware of when I was going to go through, I would call like these downward spirals, I could sense it beforehand and I knew that it was coming and I knew to prepare for it. But this was something completely different that I did not know how to prepare for and I didn't even know how to express it. I couldn't Google search my way out of this. Like I had no clue what was happening and why it was happening to me. And I think that it became a very scary point for me. Um, not outwardly showing this to everybody because I didn't want people to think that I wasn't okay. At the same time, I'm having insurance companies tell me that, oh, I was diagnosed with high-functioning depression, but because I refused medication, it didn't warrant enough help from them. Like There was nothing else that they are going to do outside of meds. There was no programs that they wanted to um, offer me. I would actually have to find a program myself and then bring it to my doctor and say, hey, can you sign off on this? And even that was a lot of work for somebody who was just going through the thick of life. And I I said this in a post that like, by the time my son passed, a lot of people were like, sending their condolences, like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry this happened. Um, And they were just like really rallying around me as somebody who had lost a child. But what a lot of people didn't know is I had been or very select people knew that I had been going through life since the time I was 14 years old. I had been hitting thing after thing after thing and it almost felt like I couldn't catch a break. And the minute I tried to catch my breath, it was like taken from me. 
I had a friend who was just like, yo, when does this stop? And at the same time, she couldn't fully understand my love and my dedication to God and to Jesus. Because she's like, but how, how when, like, God's the one putting you through all this, like, how do you then turn around and just smile and continue to worship? And there was a couple of reasons for that. A, God's not the, like... God didn't do any of the tragic stuff that happened to me. It was a lot of really bad people who did what they did to me, right? Um, but I had just been going through um, sexual abuse after sexual abuse after molestation after um, schooling and having to drop out of like summer school. All these different things had accumulated that by the time my son passed, that was really just like what pushed me over the edge. So I wasn't just dealing with the grief of the loss of a child. I was dealing with the grief of loss of childhood, of an identity, of a life that when my son came, he had really given me hope that I could be normal. And he had really given me hope that I could be loved. And all of a sudden, those two things were gone. I was no longer feeling normal. And I no longer felt loved because the one person who I loved and who loved me back had left me in this world. And obviously, it's not his fault, but that's just how I was processing it at the moment. And so when it got to this point that I could no longer um, read it became very scary to me because I I didn't feel like I could trust my own thoughts. I didn't feel like I could trust my own mind. I feel like my mind was betraying me. I felt really different, like spliced. And I didn't know who this person was. I didn't know this um this thing that was invading my body is what it felt like. Because I typically I have really good memory. But after um my son passed my memory was like, oh, seconds, like it was gone and had nothing to do with aging and everything to do with trauma. Interestingly enough, I had done a body scan a few years ago and on the body scan, what came up was that a part of my brain had um, at the time been showing up as damaged. Um, And I knew that it was because of the trauma that I had suffered, that I had gone through. And not just, like I said, my son's passing, but like since I was 14 years old, there had been trauma upon trauma upon trauma. And because there was so much trauma, my brain got to a point where even it was like, yo, this is enough. Like, just stop. Just shh. And it it just wrecked me because I didn't know that our minds could do that. I didn't know that our minds could shut down. I didn't know that our minds could essentially like abandon us in a situation. Um, and that my mind was just like, I I cannot take anything else in, even if that is reading, even if that is a scripture, even if that is what's in front of me, I can't do it. And I had to sit with the real reality of it. And when I went to therapy, um, my therapist had shown me I think it was a diagram of the symptoms of PTSD. And I checked off majority of those boxes, y'all. Like I hit most of those things on the head. Like that's that explained what I was going through. And although she didn't give me like a specific diagnosis cuz that's not she she wasn't able to diagnose um 
you'd have to go through like a psychiatrist so that's what i was told that i had to i would have to go through a psychiatrist to get a diagnosis but like a psychiatrist would only give me um prescribe me medication and so i'm like i just never followed through with the process of getting diagnosed because i also said okay it doesn't matter now that i know what it is i can tackle it now that i know what it is i can look up different remedies or i can figure out what works for me in getting me from one place to the other where i can start to feel safe in my own body or i can start to feel like i'm not going to betray myself where I'm not going to feel like if I get into a car and my mind says run to the guardrail, I'm not going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Like that I'm still cognitive enough to know that I want to live. I'll say that again. I had to get to a place where I was cognitive enough to know that I wanted to live. And that thought of me wanting to live had to override Every other thought telling me that I should die. Every other thought telling me that this was too hard. Every other thought telling me that I was not going to make it and that I should give up. I remember there was a time when uh, there was lots of bills piling up on me. I had maxed out my credit cards because I had to go off of work on, on disability. The panic attacks were too big. There was just too much happening that I couldn't keep myself together. And um, they had denied me from long-term disability because, as I stated before, they said I was a high-functioning depressed person. And that was looked at in a way of unless you're unable to get out of bed, brush your teeth, take a shower, all that other things, you no longer qualify for our help. Like, you're good. You can get up out of bed. You're fine. And I was like, yeah, but I don't like leaving my house. Like, I had anxiety leaving the house. I didn't go outside. I didn't do anything else. And a shower, yeah, but, like, that's just, like, ingrained in black culture, right? That wasn't necessarily... There's certain things in um, culturally that just overrode any other type of, like, trauma I was experiencing. Like... I love cooking. That's a part of what I do. Now, no, that I cook every day? Like I said, nah. But because culturally I love cooking, there's things that I was able to do on autopilot that to another person seemed like I was functioning just fine. But to me, I'm like, I'm just functioning out of survival and out of the fact that this is what I'm doing. This is what I have to do. And this is what I'm focused on in this moment. And so I think it's quite interesting um, just the whole system to me is a mess. It did not, it was not kind to me at all. Um, the long-term disability person actually yelled at me, um, when I was trying to explain to her my case and she, like, it was the worst thing you could ever do to somebody going through trauma, but she yelled at me and, and then it was like, I'm denying your claim and hung up. And the reason being is because there were certain things that I had to follow. One of those is getting a therapist. I found a therapist, one that I could afford and one that was close to me because my other therapist was about an hour away. And I said, that's no longer feasible for me to keep driving an hour, especially when I didn't feel safe in a car. But to drive 20 minutes, okay, I could probably do that. So I found a therapist 20 minutes away from me. And the only catch was it started a week later. And the specialist or the long-term disability person was like, 
that's not good enough. You need to find something that starts tomorrow. And the only person that they wanted to recommend to me was my dad. And I'm like, well, I'm not no, like, no, I mean, that's a therapist. My dad's a counselor. And I'm like, that's not going to work. And so I opted to find something for myself, but because it didn't fit into the mold of what they had, they canceled me. And so I had run up a lot of debt. I had gone to a space where I, um, I was just like under crushing debt. And the thought that I had at the time was if I died today, the bills would stop and I would not have to pay them. The weight of the bills that I owed at the time had me thinking that death would be sweeter. Now, here's the thing. The year ended, the debt was still there, and I was still alive. Y'all, I made it. I made it to the other side of the debt that was still owed, but I had gotten to a place where I, it was literally a fear that had come over me that was like, if you don't pay this, like, you cannot move on. And I had to push past that fear. And when I did push past it, it was like this weird understanding that, wait, I I, I lived, like I lived through it. I don't owe it. And it was so crazy to me that like the thought is, if I go through with this, I won't have to pay these bills. And that's the thing. The PTSD had me in such a state that I could not even trust myself, that I couldn't trust those around me, that I did not know left from right. I did not up, know up from down. Hell, sometimes I didn't even remember my name because I was always referred to as KK's mom. I believe I said this on another podcast, but I was always referred to as KK's mom. And when KK passed, it was like, so what do I do now? Where do I go from here? How do I move forward? It's been a journey to get through all of those things and to no longer let those things affect me. Today, I am not depressed. I am not anxious. I do not have PTSD. I do not suffer from memory loss. Like All these things have been released over the years because I had to figure out how to do the work myself because there was no help available to me. And I'm I'm sure people are like, oh, there's so many resources. Yes, but there was no help available to me that I could identify with, that I felt safe with, that I said, this is the route that we should go and this is what's going to happen. There was none. And I think this is why I'm so passionate about making sure that I can hold space for others who are going through similar things because I know the challenges. I know what it's like to go through life and just not understand why why you're going through it, not understand why the weight feels so heavy, not understand when the weight's going to lift. Um, well, I do understand those, but like, just, I, I mean, I understand those people don't. People going through it don't understand why the weight hasn't lifted, why they're reading this book and it hasn't gotten better, why they're taking the medicine and it's cool, but the, the medicine also comes with side effects. And now, again, I am not anti-medicine for those who need it, but I also know that there's a lot of healing in nature. There's a lot of healing in sleep. There's a lot of healing in writing. There's a lot of healing in prayer. There's a lot of healing in music. I'm just so for all the other ways that we can heal. And therapy is a great way to do it if you can find a therapist and if you can get connected to somebody who understands you. Now, I had gotten to a certain point when as much as I love therapy, I needed something else. I needed something um creative. I needed something to push me. 
And I wasn't getting that necessarily in therapy. I got into a place where I was pretty self-aware. And so it was almost like I was just having conversations with myself. And my therapist was just there to validate it. Like, yep, yes, no. And I'm just like, okay, well, I I don't need to be here for that anymore. So that was about, it was about finding another tool that gave me the relief of therapy. But also or the clarity of therapy but also allowed me to be a little bit more creative or just going at a pace that worked for me and uh that's that's how I really got into writing and how writing really truly transformed the the PTSD at the time I think it's crazy to think about that period in life that I went through and how it shaped me how it molded me um and how I really had to fight through it to be the person I am today, to be the woman I am today. And if it wasn't for just being self-aware of what I needed, if it wasn't for being resilient and not just taking what they gave me, I probably wouldn't be um, where I am today. I probably wouldn't be as well-rounded or as healed as I am today. The world is not often set up for us to win. We have to realize those who are ready ready to help, willing to guide us on our path of winning, and those who are not, those who just feed the destruction side. Relearning my identity, taking back the pieces of me that I lost as a child was challenging yet beautiful at the same time. It released a lot. And it gave me more than just a purpose. Um, It gave me a passion to move forward with. I truly believe more people need to talk about their experiences, but I understand why they cannot or why they don't. It's not always an easy thing to talk about. And sometimes, right as you're ready to launch and to break through, there's something else that happens. I started this podcast February 1st, 2023. Now, today, as I'm recording the ending, it is March 1st, 2023. And you wonder, man, why did so much time pass in between? And honestly, two days after I had started recording, my brother died. He's my godbrother technically, but I call him my brother. Like, we've we've been siblings since birth. Um, and it's taken me a month to really circle back around to finishing this and to moving forward. And that's what I mean. Like sometimes at the brink of breakthrough, something happens and it just like, sometimes it can suck the air out of you. And now the difference is this time around with grief, it, it looks different and I'll probably talk about it in another episode. Um, it looks different. It feels different. There's a lot of different factors, but because I've been here before, it doesn't feel too unfamiliar. And what it really does is solidify my choice in wanting to talk about grief, wanting to talk about the past that we walk, wanting to talk about really positive ways that we can overcome and we can get to the next side. Because I really see how needed it is, how necessary it is, and how I'm literally given the path to walk. It's kind of crazy how sometimes 
you may or may not have experience in something, but you'll go through something that then gives you the experience for that same thing. And so, yes, I had experience with grief before uh, and healing, and this is why I wanted to start all this. And now I'm walking a new path where I'm on the other side. I am support for those who need, uh, and I also have to balance it and find my own ways to process and the same rules apply. I still have to get sleep. I still have to uh, pray. I can still listen to music. Like the, th- the things that I learned back then are still so relevant today in getting me through this process. Um, now, the other element added right now is talking about it openly with people who are ready to listen and willing to just hear out what it is that I have to say in hopes that it might inspire somebody who needs it but doesn't feel like they have a voice. And so I'm, well, hard to say I'm excited for this journey, but I am willing to take it on. I'm willing to embrace what this podcast is. I'm willing to embrace what my story is and sharing it with the masses. If you haven't heard my story uh, start off with podcast number one. That is, I, I put chapters one to 40 up of my book or my memoir. And I'll be adding some more um, chapters to the subscription list. But yeah, go back and listen to my story. Maybe we have things in common. Maybe the thing you can relate to. And if, as you're going through it, you see that there's Things that she, that's popping up, pains, sore spots, things, wounds, open wounds, things that you thought you left or things that you know you haven't even touched, then I encourage you to get in contact with somebody, somebody who can help you not sit in it, but move through it. I am just one of many of those people that you can contact. More than anything, the important thing is not allowing it to overtake you, overwhelm you, or cause you to feel like you're drowning. Thank you so much for today's episode. I look forward to another great conversation on this journey called life. We'll see you soon. Until then, keep your head up and stay in prayer. Hey, thank you so much for listening to Lips and Language Podcast. Uh, My name is Cola. If what I said today has resonated with you, if you have been feeling overwhelmed, if you've been feeling trapped in a cycle of grief, then get in touch with me because I want to work with you. I have an amazing program that would fit you well. Um, I have a free gift for you. So let's connect. You can hit me up on Instagram. Just DM me the word story or Whatever you choose to do, just know that healing, it looks good on you. So we'll talk soon. I love you a lot. You may not know me, but I got mad love for you. So we will see you on the next podcast.